Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas, and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers, and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts, and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links, and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates, or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Thanks for listening to episode 148 of Impact Boom. My name's Tom Allen, and I'm passionate about bringing the latest interviews and insights to help you create positive social impact. Today, we're speaking with Kim Rollison-Noakes. Kim is a social entrepreneur and passionate about the role of education, training, and employment in driving social change. After 12 years in the nonprofit and community services sectors, Kim left her role working in refugees and migrant settlement in 2017 to start her social enterprise, Ethnic. In 2019, she has gone on to also co-found Mantua Sewing Studio. Both social enterprises are dedicated to providing innovative and meaningful training and employment opportunities for women from culturally and linguistically diverse backgrounds. Kim believes strongly in the role social enterprises can play in promoting and celebrating cultural diversity and addressing some of the most pressing social issues facing women from called backgrounds, particularly those that arrive in Australia as refugees and asylum seekers. So on today's podcast, we'll discuss Kim's journey as she shares her experience in working to set up her social enterprise, and we'll get her tips and advice on starting new social enterprises. So Kim, thanks very much for joining us. Thank you. It's great to be here. So to kick things off, could you please share a little bit about your background and what led you on this journey of starting up various social enterprises? <laughs> so I, as your bio said, I kind of, I've worked in the non-profit sector for around 12 years um, across a, a few different areas from working with people with disabilities through the sport and recreation sector um, and most recently working with young people from refugee and migrant backgrounds. Um, and I was really passionate about um, working in the, the non-profit sector and making a contribution to our communities and supporting people. Um, but one of the really challenging things I was finding working in that sector was the increasing challenges around funding um, that we weren't necessarily able to make the long-term meaningful and sustainable change that we wanted because we were so constrained by um, reducing rates of funding, constraints around funding, and it became a really challenging space to work in. I think, you know, our contracts in the nonprofit sector started to get shorter and shorter, so we couldn't actually plan long term for the work we wanted to do. And it kind of almost became a bit of a tick box exercise where we would spend time chasing funding, um, trying to equip the fund, running things, trying to equip funding just to chase some more funding so we could keep our jobs. And yeah. that for me was not sustainable, it was not meaningful, and just really challenging. Um, so, in my work with young people from from um, called backgrounds, I really started to see a need with our young women in particular, um, arriving here in Australia and having really significantly underrepresented in employment compared to their Australian peers. And this was for a number of reasons, from um, lack of work experience, lack of recognition of qualifications, um, cultural and family expectations, um, and unfortunate, I think, discrimination as well. Mm -hmm. um, people being looked over for the name on their CVs and things like that. Yeah. So I could really see our young women um, really struggling with really finding their feet and getting settled in their new country um, and not necessarily having the supports they needed for that. Yeah. So 
I, I kind of drew on um, an old business model from 12 years ago when I was a student back in New Zealand and I used to run children's birthday parties and looked at how I could take that business model um, with the social need I was seeing and bring those together to create a social enterprise that could not only promote cultural diversity, um, but also um, provide opportunities for these young women to gain the training and employment that they really needed. Yeah. Um, so that's how Ethne kind of was born. Right. So tell, tell us more about it. What is its purpose and what do you do? Uh, so Ethne is a social enterprise and our goal is to promote cultural diversity through fun and creative programs and workshops for children and young people. Um, so we do everything from kids' parties to school holiday workshops and school programs and events. We do it by training up young women from culturally diverse backgrounds and I guess providing them a platform to share their stories and their culture with the community um, while also giving them that really crucial training, mentoring and employment that they need um, to, I guess, um, create a life for themselves here in Australia. Um, so we really, I suppose, Ethne, from the, I guess, the work we do with the young women is really about a stepping stone. So it's a really giving them the support they need to develop the knowledge of the work environment here in Australia, um, giving them the mentoring to overcome some of the barriers and challenges they're facing, whether it's bringing together the kind of the two identities between maybe traditional cultural identities and their family expectations versus the, the identity of being here in Australia and seeing the opportunities and kind of bringing those two together. So it's really a space where these young women can come and share their stories with one another, come together. Um, and as I've found, it's become much less about them actually getting a job and the, the financial side, which is what I really thought when I started it, it was all about, to more about seeing them finding it as a place of belonging yep. um, and, and feeling that sense of belonging here, which often they've kind of said to me they haven't felt yet in their journeys so far. So yeah, so that's that's our purpose. Um, we've been running now for oh, about a year and a, a, year and a bit um, and delivered kind of over 800 cultural experiences in the community. Um, we have a team of around six facilitators and um, yeah, it's kind of growing every day now. Yeah, there's some, some great goals that you've kicked there, mm. Kim. So I know you've come up against a few barriers along the way. Absolutely. And you're keen to <laughs> learn more about them. So how did, what were those barriers and how have you navigated your way around them? Oh, there's been a number of barriers, Tom. Um, I think the biggest thing for me Watching the social enterprise sector in general, I think there's two kind of people that come into it. There's people who come from a business background and want to do more um, more good. They feel like, you know, that the corporate world is just not enough for them. So yeah. they bring these amazing business skills in um, and start social enterprises to address social needs. Then there's, I guess, people like myself that are coming in from a non-profit sector with the frustration of funding cycles and lack of sustainability and wanting to have develop, I guess, more sustainable models to create, to, I guess, address the social issues that they're seeing yep. and drive social change. I guess the challenge with people with business skills coming in is that they don't always necessarily address the social impact, well, they, their, their social impact necessarily isn't always addressed in deep and meaningful ways. They yep. may not understand fully all of the barriers or the, the issues at, at hand, whereas, I guess, like myself, and one of my biggest barriers is not having the business skills. Mm, yep. um, so I can, I know how to address the, the, the social need. Um, but actually growing a profitable and sustainable business is something that is an ongoing learning curve for me. Yeah. And yeah, I guess balancing learning those business skills as well as balancing the purpose as well. And I think that's probably been one of my biggest challenges is 
learning how to make business decisions. Yeah. Last year I had uh, took on my first part-time staff member um, who had been a young person who was been unemployed for a long time and she was with me for about six months and, and at the end we just financially couldn't maintain her position but yeah. I knew that the role also meant a lot to her um, and in terms of building her confidence and yeah. things as a young person. Unfortunately, and it was probably one of the hardest decisions I've ever had to make, was making the business decision that I had to let her go. Yeah. And I, I swear I actually think I cried more letting her go than she cried. Mm -hmm. um, but for me that was, I guess, a moment where I um, was able to weigh up both obviously that I have a social purpose, but to make it work and be meaningful for many people is that sometimes it's, you have to make really hard business decisions yeah. as well. So that's probably been one of my biggest challenges and one that I'm continuing to work through every day. One of a thousand that social entrepreneurs <laughs> seem, yeah, to, seem to constantly come up against, right? Yeah, and that's, I think that's the challenge of social enterprise is that you do have to balance both sides of it, um, which is a really challenging space to be in. A very exciting space, but a very challenging one. Yeah, absolutely. So Kim, I'm really interested to hear more about the business structure. Mm -hmm. As you know, there's no specific legal structure for social enterprise in Australia yet. And I know you've experimented with a couple and you've recently changed to a not-for-profit legal structure. Mm -hmm. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. What would you recommend to other social entrepreneurs that are weighing up which business structure that they should form if they want to be a social enterprise? I started off as just a sole trader. Um, it was a simple and easy way to get kind of underway. And for me, when I first started, social enterprise was a business. Um, and that was the only, I guess, structure that um, I thought uh, social enterprise was. It's kind of, I guess, last year went on and I stayed in that structure for, for a year. Um, I started to see, the, I guess, the pros and cons of what that, um, what, I guess, what that was. Um, and towards the end of the year, I started to consider making the change to a non-profit structure. I guess, for me, weighing up that, because I've had um, a couple of negative experiences in the non-profit sector, particularly around governance mm -hmm. and having poor, you know, boards that weren't necessarily... Um, positive for the growth of the organisation, um, constraints around their funding cycles and reliance on funding cycles, that I really had kind of shied away from the non-profit sector when I left. Um, so really for me it was kind of dismantling some of those experiences that I had to see the benefits of the non-profit structure again. Yeah. I think what I would recommend to people is to, I mean everyone is different, so what I would recommend is to separate the idea of a legal structure and business model. Um, and I'm not sure if I'm using the right terms, but there is your legal structure, which can be a business or it can be a non-profit, um, but it doesn't change how you, I guess, um, operate as a business. Um, so I still, with Ethne, although I've made the change to being a non-profit, um, we still exist as a social enterprise in the sense that we use user-paid services um, to generate our core revenue. Um, so we're not grant-reliant um, or donation-reliant, so we're not existing, I guess, essentially as what you might consider a charity, um, but essentially the non-profit the change to the non-profit is about us making a commitment to reinvesting all of our profits back into mm. our purpose. Um, but it's also the, one of the reasons I made the decision to change was also that it, for us, it provides us a, a lot of benefits, particularly in these early years around gaining some grant funding to support our early growth um, with the goal of that reducing over time and becoming only just a small portion of where our revenue comes from. Yeah. Um, but it was quite crucial for us in these early days. Mm. Um, but I would recommend to people to consider what their purpose is, um, look at their individual businesses um, for um, what they are. So it's not, there's no one right structure for any social enterprise. For me with Ethne, it was about building something sustainable 
and creating a legacy mm. um, so that um, there is ongoing employment opportunities for young women. Um, it wasn't something that, you know, I'm quite realistic that it's not something that someone's going to come along and offer me, you know, a billion dollars to buy. Yeah. So ultimately, it, it's not about me generating something that I can sell or that it's going to be hugely profitable in the future. It's about creating, ultimately, if I can pay myself, pay a team, continue to create and growing employment opportunities for young women and promote cultural diversity, then my goals are reached. Mm. And so being a non-profit for me, that that structure fit with my purpose yeah. and my goals for what Ethany is going to be in the future. Yeah. Other people, um, particularly product-based ones who really do want to grow and grow quite a, a larger business, staying as a business is a, is a much more sensible structure for them. Yeah. So I would definitely just recommend people look at what they're doing, what their purpose is, what their long-term goal with it is, and be really realistic about what that is. Yeah. yeah. I think it's some great advice. It's been a pleasure to watch you grow over the last year or so, Kim, and having you go through that Elevate Plus program as well, and recently in co-founding Mantua Sewing Studio. So I'd love you just to share a little bit about what Mantua Sewing Studio is. You're working alongside Maddie Toey and Leah Andrea. So tell us a little bit more. What are you doing? Oh, well, Mantua Sewing Studio, um, it's a been a big vision particularly of Maddie's um, and something that I have um, jumped on board to co-found with her. Mantua is really about bringing to life a local and ethical sewing manufacturing industry here in Australia. Um, with the growing, the rising I guess, trend of fast fashion and people really wanting to see more ethical sewing manufacturing, um, more Australian brands are wanting to manufacture locally but unfortunately there's been a, a significant loss in sewing skills yep. um, uh, in, our, in our country. Um, so Mantua is really about drawing on the underutilized skills of women from refugee and migrant backgrounds and providing them, I guess, similarly to Ethne, a training and a supported and meaningful training and employment pathway um, so that we can draw on their skills um, and also provide an amazing service to Australian clothing brands. So it's, yeah, it's still very much in its early days, mm. um, but we've had our first brand come on board, which is very exciting. And um, yeah, so we go. That's great. So I'm experimenting in a few different social enterprises now, having that experience over the years. What do you believe is one of the most important mindsets or traits that you see in the more successful social entrepreneurs? Mm -hmm. Oh, look, I think the first thing I'd say is that success and successful entrepreneurs come in all shapes and sizes and forms. Um, I think sometimes we have an idea in our head of what a successful entrepreneur looks like and I have to say from my journey that that is just not the case. Um, one of our, we have six team values with Ethne and one of the team values we have which I really push with my young woman is dream big and dare greatly, um, anything is possible with passion, perseverance and persistence. This for me really represents that idea that the most successful entrepreneurs I've found are those who have a passion for something and they persevere with it. Mm -hmm. That it's not going to happen overnight and the ones that happen overnight or we think they happen overnight... It took 10 years. It took 10 years, yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's really, easy, it's really easy to believe that it was instant success and they have some magic skill set or this magic knowledge that we don't have that made it possible was actually they just hit brick walls for so long but they just kept hitting that brick wall until they smashed through it. Yeah. Um, so I think some of um, the people I see as the most successful and the ones that I really respect a lot are those who have stuck with it um, and seen themselves through what, uh, well, what I've, I've heard someone describe which I really love is called the messy middle 
this this point where you're over the honeymoon period of your great idea and you've hit the like like the hard middle phase where like you know cash flow is hard things are starting to like you know you get your nose and you'll get your hard moments and you're wondering what the heck you're doing and you're working these massive days and you're trying to balance x number of things to pay your bills and um it's tough and it's tough going but persevering through those times to see the end result is what i think makes someone successful ultimately in this game it's not an educational skill set or a or background or anything it's about how you can take what you know and how you can draw on the support of those around you and I suppose it probably is one other side thing is, is collaboration I think social enterprise presents such a beautiful space for collaboration across industries that doesn't often get done very well yeah. and one thing I try and do a lot in ethnic and I think I see other successful people doing is drawing on the the knowledge and the resources available across industries whether it's non-profit government education um, business and drawing those all together to address their social needs um, yeah. in a cohesive way so yeah that's some fantastic advice mm. great so drawing to the end are there any other inspiring projects initiatives social enterprises around that you wanted to share with our audience um yeah i thought about this and there's oh there's so many but one an initiative that I've been involved in for about six months now, um, down in, in Logan in Queensland. I'm sharing it because it's a really beautiful example of um, community working for community. Um, it's called Barber Talk. It's an initiative that was, I guess, the vision came from a, a guy down in Logan who runs a barber shop, Specifics Barber Shop. Yep. And his vision was to open up a shop to originally to people experiencing homelessness and provide them a um, experience where they could come and they could have their haircut and they could be have conversations with the barbers and they could I guess bring back a bit of that dignity and get that get that support so that you yeah. know they could go and apply for a job or do what they needed to do and, and it was just one piece of the puzzle but one he really felt he could contribute yeah um, so I got brought in to kind of help him take that vision to making it actually Get up and going and um, we set the first date and we ran the first event in November last year and we had about I think around 30 or so people um, come through that day um, and it's been this beautiful evolution we just ran our fourth event um, for International Women's Week last week and it was supporting we have a different theme now every month and that was supporting hard-working and struggling mums mm. we had 81 mums through that night and as we've grown it's been this amazing um, coming together of community where just so all beautifully organically there's you know people rock down with you know a bunch of drinks saying I've just moved community I heard what you're doing here's a bunch of drinks for the night or a business jumping on board and being like, I'm going to donate the barbecue food or the bakery mm -hmm. donating all their bakery food for the night yeah. um, hairdressers and barbers donating their time and skills every month um, Ethany now goes down and runs all the kids activities to keep the kids occupied oh. and we had a fire truck down there last time and it's very small but Often when we run community programs or working on profit so long is that we run them from organisations and what we run what we think the community needs. That's not necessarily what community needs. So watching a project start from the ground up and um, seeing people, everyone coming on board to see it grow has been amazing. Yeah. So yeah, our next steps now is to actually develop the systems and processes to allow other barbershops to take that on mm. and to run their own ones so it can scale up beyond what we're just doing. So that sounds like a great initiative. Yeah, it's small, but I think it's just a really beautiful example of how when we actually empower community, 
really amazing things can happen. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. I'll try and find the link and stick mm. in the article. Do. So to finish off then, Kim, what books would you recommend to our listeners? Um, two books that I regularly recommend is Originals by Adam Grant. I really love this book and I was talking about it a little bit earlier, that idea that success comes in all shapes and forms. And this is a really beautiful book that talks about that um, and talks about, you know, you can be young, you can be old, you can be a woman, a man, you can have had no education, you can have had all of the education, you can, and, and everyone is capable. Um, so I, I really love that book if you're sitting there thinking, I, I can't do this because, and I hear that a lot sometimes with my young women who say, I couldn't do this, Kim, because I'm not a great leader, or I'm not an extrovert, or I'm not this. And I think it's a really important that people see that everyone has strengths yeah. that can lead to success in whatever form that's going to take. Um, so I really love that book. The other one I would recommend to is um, Chapter One, The Thank You um, Story by, is it Daniel Flynn is his name? Yes. Like I said before, the idea of perseverance and persistence, his book is, I, I sat down and read it in a day because it just spoke so much of this, the brick walls he hit and the fact that no matter how much it broke him, he kept persevering and he kept his purpose so strongly at the centre of what he was doing. His idea of giving 100% profits to his projects overseas, which got um, criticised and abused over the years, he stayed so true to that and he kept going. And what he thought was going to take him three months took him five years and has become incredibly successful now through that perseverance. So I definitely give that. I read that at early stages of my journey and it, I, and I always think back to that now when I'm hitting that, that horrible, messy middle stage. <laughs> that, yeah to keep keep pushing through. Great. I need some great advice to leave it on, Kim. So thanks so much for sharing your time today and your experience. No, my and pleasure. And forward to, to tracking you on your journey as you continue. Sounds great. Thank you very much. Our pleasure. Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. Please leave your comments below and remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page and Twitter.